Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, what it doesn't say is that all have sinned to the same degree. Maybe you have sinned to a lesser degree than I have sinned. Maybe I have sinned to a lesser degree than someone else has sinned. But that is not the point. And so many times men and women point to, well, I'm not as bad as... And they read Romans chapter 3, verse 23. They read it as if it says, for all have sinned, but not in the same degree, as, as, as a way to give themselves a pass. But that's not what it says. It simply says, we have all sinned. And then it says, and come short of the glory of God. Now, I've been doing quite a bit of projects around the house, and I'm sure uh, most of the men here have done quite a few projects around their house. And if you cut a board short, it doesn't matter if it's one inch short or 20 inch short. It's still, you're pounding your fist and, and, and stomping your feet and saying, oh man, I got to cut another board. I just wasted that $7. Well, they're $14 now. So it's it doesn't matter how short the board is. The board is too short. Uh, I'm glad that you might just sin a little. <laughs> uh, keep sinning just a little, okay? If you have to sin, just do it a little. But it really doesn't matter before God that you've sinned a little or you've sinned a lot. The, the point is, you have come short and I have come short. And b- before God, a little bit of sin compared to a lot of sin, it's no difference to him. We have all come short of his glory. And so we look at Romans chapter 3, verse 23. I am sure most of you, if not all of you, have used this verse when witnessing to a lost person. It's a great verse to use. It is. However, there's there's so much truth in here. And, and I'd like to look at two of them right now. One is, when it says, for all have sinned, yes, we are sinners but remember, we looked at in Romans earlier, and we talked about it's we're, we're sinner. It, it's by nature we're a child of wrath, and we we preach through that. It's not that we're just sinners by nature. It's that our nature follows and puts our sinnership into practice. In other words, yes, by nature we are sinners, but also by practice we are sinners. Uh, we put into practice awful, awful things. The way you act, the thoughts that you have, the thoughts that you put into deeds, and the deeds that come out in harsh words, it's all sin that's put into practice. So when you say to somebody, 
look, the Bible says for all who have sinned, don't be afraid to draw out some of the practices. <laughs> the thoughts you have are sinful. The deeds you do are sinful. The words you say are sinful. It's, it's just not by nature. It's by nature put into practice. And then number two, the second truth of verse 23. Look what it says. You come short of the glory of God. And that's what we're going to park on for the bulk of the message, looking at the glory of God. You really think that you and I, even as saved individuals, I'm trusting most here are saved. You really think we could put on the full display of the glory of God? Not a one of us could. Even though we have the indwelled Holy Spirit. We can't do that as Christians. Yet we can look back before we were saved. And we can appreciate this verse when we use it when talking to a lost person. Because even you and I as saved child of God. We're a saved child of God. We can't put on the full display of God's glory. How much more should a lost person get a hold of the fact that they come short of God's glory? I'm sure we would all agree that now that we're saved, we're coming closer to looking like what Jesus wants us to look like. I would hope, right? Gives us a picture of just how lost we really were. Go to uh, 1 Corinthians 10. I asked you to get your finger there. 1 Corinthians 10, verse number 31, the Bible says, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. We have here a simple command from God to Christians to do all. This is why it's, okay, man loves glory. You want to build a big, this mega church philosophy is built around sermon titles that are become your best you. How to be your own I am. Seven ways to glorify yourself. <laughs> because it, 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 it gives you a dopamine shot. It makes you feel good about you. And man and woman can get glory. But biblical, true biblical Christianity is not that way. It's die to self and everything you do that God would be glorified. That is why when we come to church, yes, I understand we all need to be fed the word of God. But if God isn't giving the glory then isn't it all for naught? We said earlier we've come to worship him. That means he needs to have the preeminence. He needs to get the glory. Christians need to learn to live more for him. It'll start in our thought life. We say, well, it's my house. It's my car. It's my business. It's my job. It's my money. Well, wait a minute. Who gave you the ability to have all those things? Who gave you the ability to be able to earn all those things? It's not your money. It's God's money. 
Who grew the trees that printed the well, it's not trees anymore, it's just all electronic stuff. Who who created that? Look, it's it's God's. And if we have things and we use them for our own glory, we are off as Christians. We are falling short of the glory of God because we fail to see him as the one who allows us to have what we have. People go to church. They go to church for themselves. I hate to tell you, church is not a pep rally. Church is not a football game. Church is not a coffee shop. Church is about God's people assembling together to worship and give glory to him. We need to get motivated to do things for God. As soon as a young person gets old enough and they get the letter from the college that's going to offer them money to go throw a ball or offer them money to go get an academic uh, education. They're so motivated about that thing. You win one game, then two games, then three games, and now you start to get some motivation because you can win the big game, the championship. And, and young people are so motivated by this. Yet God, we've come short of his glory. We're sinners. He, get, he imparts to us eternal life. And now, why aren't we as motivated about some of the worldly, like we were with some of the worldly things, as we are now to serve Christ? You hand out a reward, you put out a reward, you put that carrot of a reward out, you can motivate people to do things. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's out there. You do well at the job, you get a raise. Nothing wrong with that. You work so hard at your job, yet God says you can have a reward. And you can work at eternal things. You can do things that matter for eternity. But you won't get any glory. I won't get any glory. The idea is that God would get glory. You won't get any recognition. I won't get any recognition. But the Lord Jesus Christ would be magnified. He would be lifted up. And he would get the glory. That's the glory of God. Go to Psalms 29. We'll, I'll give you five ways. Not how to have a better life. How to give God glory. Psalm 29. We'll get that. The Bible says in Psalms chapter number 29. Verse. Number one, the Bible says, give unto the Lord, Psalm 29, verse one, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. The first way I'd like to submit to you this morning on how you can give glory to God is to acknowledge him in your worship. This is why when we look back in Romans, we look back at the first chapter because that when they knew God, 
they glorified him not as God. They knew who he was. They wouldn't acknowledge him for the glory. How can you give God glory? The first way is acknowledge him when you worship. John 12, you don't have to turn there, but it says, For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. You know what men love? That's what men love. You know what men love? Pats on the back. I'm not telling you it's wrong to clap for your child or give him a high five, pat him on the back, do all those things. But do you take that same energy? Do you take that same motivation? And when you worship God, do you give him that type of glory? Acknowledge him in your worship. Number two, go to Luke chapter 17. The second way you can give glory to God is acknowledge him in thankfulness. Luke chapter 17. Look at verse number 18. We uh, all know the passage, the 10 lepers, and they're getting cleansed um, by Jesus Christ. And uh, when you get to Luke chapter 17, look down at the 17th verse, and Jesus answering said, Where there not 10 cleansed, but where are the nine? Verse 18, they are not found that returned, here it is, to give glory to God, save this stranger. Jesus cleansed how many? Ten. How many came back in thankfulness to give God the glory? That would be one. Isn't that a picture of how America is? <laughs> Isn't that a clear picture? You know how we can give glory to God? In acknowledging him in thankfulness. Many will go out to have a, a nice lunch after church on Sunday afternoon. That's a common thing. Look around the restaurant and see, you'll probably see one out of 10 families bow their head and pray. If the whole restaurant won't, went into a moment of silence where everyone's heads were bowed and all the chefs came out and they stood with their heads bowed, giving thanks to God, you would think that there's some weird thing going on, but there wouldn't be. It would just be everybody doing what's normal, giving glory to God. Why is it so hard for us to do that? Everybody point at yourself. Because you're guilty just like I'm guilty. We want glory. We want glory. And we argue, no, we don't. How thankful are you for what God has cleansed you from? If you're so thankful that God saved you out of an awful life, how come you're not giving him glory? If you're so thankful for the salvation that's been freely offered to you, how come your life doesn't reflect that you glorify him? 
give thanks, acknowledge him in thankfulness. Number three, get Acts chapter 12. Another example of how to give glory. Acts chapter number 12. Good passage of scripture here as well. <laughs> Way to give glory to God is acknowledge him as the one who has the supreme dominion. And in Acts chapter number 12, uh, Herod gets a wake up call. We'll pick it up at verse 23 for the, the sake of time. Uh, well, no, we won't. We'll start at 21. And upon a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel. Man, that gives glory to a man. Sat upon his throne. Man, that's wonderful. And made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout saying, it is the voice of a God, not of a man. Bad, bad thing to say. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. That's an exciting passage of scripture, isn't it? Somebody getting eaten of worms. Because he didn't give God the glory. You won't be eaten of worms. God's so good to you that he allows you to not acknowledge him as the supreme force, the supreme, probably a wrong word to use nowadays, <laughs> the supreme being. And he gives you sunshine and he gives you rain, and he gives you clothes and he gives you food. You want to really give God glory? Acknowledge him by the way you live your life and the words you say. As supreme dominion. Number four. Uh, go back to the book of Joshua. All the way back to the book of Joshua. And get the seventh chapter. We won't go into all of the life of Achan. But we're going to look at. Achan failed to acknowledge. Well Achan did acknowledge. He sinned. And look at uh, Joshua chapter seven. We'll read the text. In verse number 19, Joshua chapter 7, verse number 19. And Joshua said unto Achan, my son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. God delivers the Israelites. And, and they get Jericho. And God tells them. Destroy everything. Except say uh, uh, Rahab, right? In, 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 in chapter number six. She shall live. And what else did he tell? What else did he tell them? Take not any of the spoils except Achan didn't listen. And Achan took some stuff. Didn't he? And uh, watch what it says. Verse 20. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, 
I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils of goodly Babylonian garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them and took them, and behold, they are hidden the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. You know what you can do? You can you can be like Achan, not by not listening to God and, and, and stealing and taking what God said not to take. But you know, you can be like Achan. You can acknowledge humbly your sin. And that's what he did. Now, it cost him his life. But what did he do? And what am I asking you to do? Humbly acknowledge your past sin before God. That is a way, that's the fourth way that you and I can give glory to God. Last way, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This will be a tough one. But it's important. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 19. The Bible says what? As a question mark in the first word, verse 19, know you not that your body is your own. Doesn't say that. It says your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not your own. It says very clearly the very opposite. Your body, are, are you saved this morning? If you are saved this morning, your body is not your own. You were bought with a price and God wants you. Therefore, verse 20, for you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God. It's the toughest thing, I believe. Is for Christian people to glorify God with their own body. Because we love ourselves and we want to take care of our bodies. Except we don't want to do it the way God wants us to do it. Do you exercise? Do you do push-ups and sit-ups and pull-ups? Great. Keep doing it. The Bible tells us we'll get some profit out of that. We'll get a little bit of profit. But what your body is involved with spiritually is so much more important. And that is a way to give God the glory. What do you watch? What do you listen to? What do you allow your children to watch and listen to? What songs do you sing? What places do your does your body go to? What type of relationships? Will you allow your children to get into? 
all of this has to do with the spiritual concern for your body because it's the temple of God. You know how many people are addicted to cigarettes? Well, where is not smoking in the Bible? Where is not not being addicted to something other than the ministry in the Bible? <laughs> or shouldn't you be addicted to be giving God glory? Cigarettes and alcohol and drugs and pornography and vile music and dirty jokes and dirty language. Okay, you've done your push-ups and your sit and your sit-ups and you've got a good bill of health from the doctor. Except the great physician is looking down and saying, "Yeah, but if you're doing all those other things, you really don't have a good bill of health, do you?" Because your spiritual life is more important than your physical life. Last way I'd like to submit to you on how to give God glory is to acknowledge him with your body. Go to Philippians 1. We'll do one more verse there. And then we'll talk about what is the glory of God a little more deeper. Kind of opened up a can. I got to this glory of God in verse 23. And you really can't close this. I mean, this is hard. You open up the glory of God, you can't exhaust it. You can sometimes get in trouble. Because it's such a magnificent thing to talk about. Verse number 11 in Philippians 1. Look what it says. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, under the glory and praise of God. You've got the fruits of righteousness. You've got the fruits of the Spirit. You can give glory to God by acknowledging. Acknowledging. God with your body and living like you are actually filled with the fruits of the spirit and the fruits of righteousness, which, by the way, newsflash. You are. You've got a full basket of fruit available to you. All right, go to second Peter. We'll look at what is the glory of God. Second Peter. Second Peter chapter number one, the Bible says in verse number 17, for he received. Second Peter chapter one. Verse 17, for he received from God, the father honor and glory when there came such a voice of him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased the glory of God. It's the essence of God. That's that's the essence of who he is. Glory is, is from the Father, not as not as superior giving to an inferior, because Jesus Christ is equal with God. It's God declaring the Father declaring that his glory equally belongs to and with the Son. That's why Philippians 2 says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery, robbery to be what? Equal with God. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew 3. Watch how the glory is declared. You can see it beautifully in Matthew chapter 3, verse number 15. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee. To Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbid him, saying, 
I have need to be baptized of thee and comest thou to me and Jesus answering said unto him So Jesus is there Suffer it to be so now for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness Then he suffered it. And Jesus when he was baptized, okay, Jesus is there already said that let's bring that up again When he went straightway out of the water and lo the heavens were open unto him and saw the Spirit of God descending upon him like a dove. So you get the Holy Spirit's there and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son. Who's saying that? That's God the Father, in whom I am well pleased. First Peter 1 in Matthew chapter 3, especially in Matthew chapter 3, we can see it ever so clear clearly. What is the glory of God? Jesus, God the Son, Holy Spirit. God the Father, what is it? The glory of God is the Trinity. It's the Trinity of God. And it's all right there in Matthew chapter number three. A beautiful picture of who Jesus is. God, equal with God. Jesus, Holy Spirit, God the Father. All right there in Matthew chapter number three. The Father is declaring his glory belongs to the Son. We see it beautifully displayed as the Trinity. That's just one example. Get Isaiah chapter number three, uh, 43. Isaiah 43. <clears throat> All right, everybody got, if you got your place in Isaiah 43, say amen. Amen. All right, good. So Isaiah 43, look at verse 1. But now, thus saith the Lord, that created thee. You know what their creation is for? The glory of God. O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel. Speaking to very clearly, we can see the nation of Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. Their redemption is for the glory of God. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Same idea we looked at before. Christian, you're bought with a price. You're not your own. Verse number two. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. You know what he says to born again child, children of God? He's not going to leave you or forsake you. Praise the Lord. Look at it again in verse number two. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shall not be burned. Neither shall the flame Kindle upon thee. That's God taking care of them. Verse 3 For I am, in other words, I am self existent. I borrow nothing from anybody. I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. You live because I give you life. You are sustained because I am the sustainer. You have power and are able to do something because I am the one that has given you the power and the strength to do it. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. You know what God told him? I chose you. I didn't choose Egypt. I chose to deliver you. I brought you out of Egypt. That's the glory of God. Verse number four. Since thou was precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable. 
God, okay, God is going to take wicked, wretched sinners. He's going to take a nation that fell into idolatry. And he's going to count them among the honorables. That's pretty good. Keep reading. And I have loved thee, therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. Praise the Lord. I want him to be with us. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I think that's right. That's west. This is West Jerry Whiston, and that's going to be each Jerry Whiston. Uh, I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Now, if I say go to the end of the road, you don't go to the end of the road and just falls off. It's the it's the west side. It's the end. Go to the end. You go to the south side and go to the end of the road over there. So what do you have? This ends of the earth. All it is is directional points. You've got a north. You've got a south. You've got an east and a west. You know what God says? I'm going to gather you all in. You come from the north end. You come from the south end. You come from the east end. You come from the west end. Verse number seven. Even everyone that is called by my name. For I have created him, and here it is, for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Will you gladly receive all that God reveals in his word? Will you happily follow his commands? Will you joyfully want to obey him? When I'm studying out this, this glory of God, it brought my mind back to the study that we did on 1 Corinthians 11. And it said in verse 15, but if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. And then I read Proverbs chapter number 16. It says the hoary head is a crown of glory. That's the Hoary head, that's that white gray hair. That would be a senior person. And it says, if it be found in the way of righteousness. In Proverbs 16, it says, if you ever see an unsaved sinner, an unregenerate person that grows old in age. 60 years of drinking or drugging or living a horrible life. It beats you up. So it says, if it be found in the way of righteousness. You know what that you know what that means? That means, kids, you know how we preach Ephesians 6 to you? That if you obey your parents, what will you what is the promise attached to it? That thou mayest live a long life, right? So this, if it be found in the way of righteousness concerning the hoary head as a crown of glory, that means that they are receiving. The promise that God gave to those who obeyed. <laughs> that's a that's a promise that God gives. That you, you pay attention to Ephesians 6. You gotta give you a long life. So you, you so, so well, what's this glory with hair? <clears throat> what 
What's this glory with the hoary head as a crown of glory in Proverbs 16? And then it hit me. Living a full life for the Lord is a righteous and glorious thing. This is why when a young person sees someone with gray hair or white hair and they're in church, you know what you need to do? Get around them. This is why when two spouses grow old together, notice the key word together, they can look over at each other and say, huh, there's a gray hair I just pulled out. <laughs> huh, there's a gray hair I just pulled, pulled out. You know why? As they live their life together, you can they can see the glory in each other. In other words, you might think, yeah, when you first meet, it's, you know, you're strong and you're young and you got all the energy and, you know, But it's as that relationship develops, it proves itself to be glorious if two people are living for God. That's the idea, I think, in Proverbs 16, is that you get around the hoary head, it's a crown. Why? Why is it glory? Because they've got the experience of the walk with the Savior that you don't yet have. And you know how you and I are really going to experience the glory of God? By walking with him. Because if it's just Sunday at 11. And you're not walking with him on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and going down the rest of the days. You're going to end up having gray hair. And you, you don't want that to be at the expense of not having a long relationship and fellowship and communing. With the Lord. You want the gray hair to be a glory? Walk with God your whole life. And teach your children to do the same thing. And that will be a glorious thing. It will be a glorious thing. Many times in church, it's segmented with young kids play together. The parents are together. The old people are together. And it really should be different. It should be. Everybody should be. Young people you can glean a lot of truth from the older saints. Spend time with them. Ask them questions. You might not like the answer or want to hear the answer. But you should still ask. There's some experience there. You can get some a little glimpse of glory. Verse number eight in Isaiah chapter 43, and we'll get ready, ready to wind down. Verse number eight says, bring forth the blind people that have eyes. God gave these people eyes and they're blind. And the deaf that have ears. God gave them ears and they can't hear. Let all the nations be gathered together and let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring forth their witnesses that they may be justified. Let them hear and say, it is true. You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. And ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he before me. 
There was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. Last verse. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. How does that tie into Romans? Remember in Romans 1, we said, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. God gave them eyes, they can see it. God gave them ears, they can hear it. He finishes out and he said, look, there's only one Savior, and it's me. The nation, where do their eyes follow? Idols. The nation, where did their ears listen to? Their little G-God idols. They didn't want to hear or listen to God. You know what God tells them? My glory is superior over every single one of them. I am the only Savior. Exodus 33. Exodus 33, look at verse number 18. Start verse 17. The Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also, but thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight, and know thee by, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. You know what the glory of God is? The goodness of God. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. You know what the glory of God is? The graciousness of God and will show mercy upon whom I will show mercy. God is a merciful God. He's a saving God. He's a gracious God and he's a good God. John 1:14 says and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the father father full of grace and truth what was the glory that they beheld grace and truth what is the glory of god grace and truth hebrews 1 says who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his son and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down the right hand of the majesty on high. What is the brightness of his glory? He can uphold all things. He can purge our sins. And he's majestic and on high. That's the glory of God. Who else can purge your sin? Second Corinthians four, last verse for God who commended the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What's the glory of God? It's the face of Jesus Christ. It's God giving light to this dark and dying world. That's the glory of God. If you're here this morning, may I remind you our text that we started with, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. We got a glimpse of how you can give glory to God. We got a little bit of a glimpse of what glory is, what God's glory is.
and I'm going to pretty much speak for us all. We can all say no one, none of us lives up to that. May God help us. If you don't know him, salvation is simple. Putting your faith and trust in the one who can impart righteousness to your account. He won't make you righteous. He will give you his righteousness and he will credit it to your account. But you can only be made right one way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Only through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And your faith in him, in his blood, what he has done on you, done for you on the cross. That's the only way to be saved. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.